0: Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer. Uh, Once again I am filming an interview at the Science and Non-Duality Conference in San Jose, California. Today my guests are Guru Charan Singh Kalasa and Karuna. And they are both students in the tradition of Yogi Bhajan, which is Kundalini Yoga. I became aware of Yogi Bhajan back in the 70's. I was with Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and I remember he and Yogi Bhajan had a meeting as I recall, I was up in the mountains of France, and Yogi Bhajan wanted Marshi to come to Mexico for some conference or something, and Marshi just didn't want to do all that traveling, and so he didn't go. But as I recall, I heard good things about the meeting. So this is one of those interviews wh- which I have not prepared for. I know very little about Yogi Bhajan, Kundalini Yoga, uh, although I do have a good friend <coughs> in this group, Cool Meet, who is up mm-hmm. in the Ottawa.
1: She's center, lovely. Yeah. Center, yeah. Love her. And I Good seen her cook. in cook. Yeah.
0: Great cook. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's important. For years I've been actually thinking of, I'd, I'd like to, in tribute to my friend Kulmeet, I'd like to interview somebody in that tradition. And I was kind of had that in the back of my mind when I came to this conference. I wonder if I'll meet somebody and you guys would be the ones to talk, talk to. Thank yeah. you.
1: Thank it's really, you. It's really lovely to be here with you. Yeah. I love the name of your company.
0: Thank you. It's not exactly a company, but it's a good name.
1: It's a great, well, it should be.
0: <laughs> it's a 501c3. There you go. <laughs> and a that had to come there's up, see, that, that's
1: already Yogi Bhajan's working. <laughs> <laughs> He's already manifesting a huge prosperity for you, so, mm, good. nice job.
0: <laughs> so what I'd like to do in the next hour or so is have you give us what you feel is the cream of the, the message that you could give in an hour or so of what kundalini yoga is, what benefits, if, if it's relevant, what its history is, but maybe not too much time on that, because mainly we want to focus on the practical stuff. What would a person do if they were to get involved in this, and what benefits could they expect to get from, from doing it, mm. and where would they have to go, and you know that kind of thing. Would they have to wear a turban or different kinds no, of clothes? No, you can
1: like not wear a turban. Oh, you <laughs> can get it on. That's <laughs> I'm taking the I mean, turban he's not off. Take
2: off but, uh, <laughs> so yeah, let me let me start with planned. let me start with that. <laughs>
0: yeah, okay,
2: good. okay. And then currently you chime on in as you wish. <laughs> Kundalini yoga is essentially about how do you live a life that is one of consistent delight and elevation. As a human being. delight delight and elevation. In elevation. Yeah, in elevation. Because okay. as a human being we have that capacity to, you know, be with whatever the plot of our life is mm-hmm. and yet birth within that plot a story. Because the story is not the plot, right? The story is that thing that we write with our heart. You know, it comes from that inner dimension that we talk about in spirit. Not all fuzzy and mystical in that way, but sort of powerful and present. But, you know, a lot of times we get caught just in the plot. And plots are You know, interesting as plots and drivers, but the story is how we transform. It's the nature of our choices and what we do, and how it develops us in our inner dimension. So, Kundalini Yoga was always about how do you awaken the human, that possible human in us, and open the heart center and live beautifully within this world. Okay. Now, traditionally, let's say there, when, when I got interested in it, anyway. This is old guy talk, you know, this is back before intranets, and half the journey was finding the bookstore and the dustiest book, and then learning to translate into Sanskrit, you know, that kind of thing. Now you can get it on your watch or something, right? Yeah. But along with that, there was a lot of uh, veiledness around this thing that I always heard about, Kundalini. You know, now the translation is buried, but essentially it means awareness, and it means the central property of. You as a human being, which is awareness. Kundalini okay. means that. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. I've also understood associated Kundalini with the shumna and the energy that rises up. Right. So before you get into
2: order. all the all of the interpretive symbology and iconology and mm-hmm. the putting it into certain cultural context, if you talk about it experientially, what is it? Right. It means you awaken your sense of presence, that space of grace that you talk about. It's when uh, you have a relationship in every breath, basically, to that. Now every system that approaches that from all directions right has some kind of a map fuzzy or otherwise to kind of get there and practices and such and kundalini is that way the basic distinction to think of is in the eastern way right you've got meridians and pranas and all that kind of stuff or chi these things so you've got a whole energy system that has to do with balancing right Mm -hmm. our senses our attachment or things like that so think of that as one whole way of being and that connects us to sitting in this place you know, with these smells and colors and such things, and that's to a kundalini yoga person that would be equally real as the oneness. They're co-equal, they're co-extensive. They don't exist without each other. So it's not—it's never an issue that something is beyond illusion or in or out. Right. The question is here in my heart, in my experience, right? How do I act in a way that delivers that kind of uh, reality, authenticity, being uh, of me as a person? So I've got these pranas and balancing flows and all this stuff going on that lets me particulate my experience and get it. And then there's this thing called kundalini. Kundalini, in this way of thinking, isn't like a prana. It's not an energy, actually, although people refer to it. It's not what it is. It's more like you could call it the urge of self-transcendence. You could call it the inner dimension that starts to open the flower. So Kundalini then, traditionally, is looked at the, as it, quote, rises. And it's really built in the West, because you think here, always climbing ladders and getting to the top. Okay, So you always got to put all the ladder stuff in a circle with a center. All right, so, so you have to kind of think. It always is about this heart center. And around it are all of the different manifestations and challenges. So what constructs this outer rim of experience is all these pranas and stuff like that. But what brings us into transformation What brings us into the height at which you might want to live would be the Kundalini. So sometimes you have problems in the body and the mind. Or someone here said very nicely, you know, all of our human problems are psychological and all the solutions are spiritual in the sense that we reconnect with the wholeness and the flow, the inner part, with the outer parts. We combine these. Or as I would say, take the heavens, take the earth and bring them together at the heart. Because you know your being, your totality, right? And how you know is resolved by action, which is what we call Dharma, right? Dharma is the right step at the right time in the right place in the right way that has a natural blooming quality to it, let's call it, which I call the fulfilled sense of destiny and heart that we are in our own authentic self. So Kundalini is about all the different ways. And so in this way, I founded the Kundalini Research Institute back in 72 or something. So we've collected and put publicly now online just recently literally thousands of meditations. And these were given and shared by Yogi Bhajan over the years. And those were collected. There's there's Sikh meditations, there's Sufi meditations, there's Christian meditations. There's things that we don't know what they were, but they were sort of passed on. So a lot of that tradition was oral. A lot of it was secret. A lot of it required initiations. So one of the things that truly uh, attracted me well, there's a lot of reasons, but one was that uh, having been kind of raised in myself as a scientist and a mathematician and such, I didn't like things that were secret. I saw them apart as, as I understood the esoteric side of it, but mostly it got applied as cultural hierarchy, basically, and binding. I'd rather say that what is truly unique and subjective in each of us is ultimately the secret and known only through our relations and, our and like that. It's not, there's no secrets. The only secret is the uniqueness. Because if it's unique, it's not comparable, right? So, I kept coming across kundalini references or something that would parallel that, and Taoism and this and many different traditions. And a lot of them would say, it's secret, it's this and this. But when I met uh, Doi Bhajan, he was the first one I met that said, No secrets, no initiations. If you can't initiate yourself, if you don't have the responsibility to engage in an authentic way, your own soul, how are you going to make the progress, really? And so it appealed to me in the sense that it was open and I could test it. And then the prescription he gave was, try it, it worked for me. If it doesn't work, throw that away, try something else. And I said, okay. So that experimental approach and experiential approach appealed to me because I think that's what the universe does. I think the universe is a constant play, and I don't think it knows any more than we do. I think it's winging it. So someone says, do you know what God thinks? I said, yeah, God's winging it, and we're the wings. And so we are in a constant coevolution, it's like That's Par- the Harrison fun of Harrison
0: Ford and Raider of the Lost Ark. You know, okay. somebody said, "What's the plan?" He said, "I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along." <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
2: there you and, go. and if we're joined with the one, so is the one. But it's you know, it's funny ways of talking. But I like the playfulness of it because right. I think, without joy and without coming from your heart and without embracing all the plot that you're in, without even knowing about, it, how can you play an infinite game in a finite world? And you got to do both. Bruna, do you want
1: to add to that? No. Okay. Oh, she does. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the only thing that's coming up for me with listening to an amazing dissertation on Kundalini Yoga, as a student of Yogi Bhajan and having really never encountered Yogi Bhajan, this is as close as I can get. So my relationship with Guru Charan has just been so exquisite because he actually gives me the leeway and the freeway to really be who I am in this process of a teacher and with the teacher training programs and all the evolution that you get through the teachings on teaching on an everyday basis that I do in Boulder that it helps you to grow and, and extend that authentic relationship that you were just talking about with joy and humor and just being you know being able to freely flow with these teachings and not being somebody who's so they're very physical in the sense of they move your heart. And that's how I look at physical. I don't look at physical as when triathletes come to my classes and long distance runners and they're winning their races with the mantra of Satnam, Satnam, Satnam instead of, oh my God, I can't do this. When I heard somebody in class say today, I can't do it, I was like, I was like, no, you can, you can. You have grit, you have passion, you have compassion. And it's that movement that this yoga gives you that looks so wild, but it's yet so incredibly devotional. It's bhakti, shakti, and raga.
0: The yoga is wild?
1: The raj of this yoga. Yeah, this Mm. yoga, this yoga, the kundalini yoga is such a raj yoga, it's a royal yoga. It wants you to become as enlightened, if you want to use these terms that we're using so much around here, or as awakened or awake in the sense of awareness of just how are we communicating with each other?
0: Okay, so let's say that somebody wants to check this out, and they come to your center or your class or whatever. What specifically are they going to learn, and what are they going to take away in terms of a daily practice?
1: Well, we we start with poke, provoke, confront, and elevate that's a rule that is is a really well to poke okay so you start with a practice and you poke you start to poke those little things that don't feel so cozy in you anymore you you,
0: you poke your own you you poke
1: your own things so with the teachings of yogi bhajan well you tune in and that could be a poke right there just going on namo gurudev namo what is that and that pokes something in you that asks a question that provokes something in you Mm -hmm. too confront something in you to even ask, why am I even confronted by this? Why can't I just be in the experience, which is the elevation ultimately that you'll get by the end of the class. So
0: someone, you might get a mantra, Om Namo Gurudev Gurudev Namo.
1: Gurudev Namo. So gurudev, you might get a mantra. You might get a, you might get a you might get sound current that you're not used to in a class. So we really look at the things that loud, you're used to. Your eyes
0: to. closed. Or?
1: You, yeah, you tune in. So if we were to rub the palms together at the heart, this balances the right and left hemisphere of the brain. okay. Okay. So all of a sudden, and I say this to my brother who's an NFL football coach to tell his quarterback, like, Mm -hmm. tell him to do this, because this will balance the right and left hemisphere Mm -hmm. of the brain, and when he goes for the goal, he'll hit it, Mm -hmm. because he's balanced. So it's fun. It's fun just to use the technology. No, just half a second. You actually don't even need to do it. You could actually just put the prayer mudra together. Put the thumbs into the thymus gland, turn the palms up, sit with your sit bones grounded, elevate from your crown chakra and just feel that is a different frequency already in you.
0: If it's not too simplistic to ask, give us an overview. I mean, what is the whole scenario here that people are going to discover and, you know, what sort of... Without going into great elaboration yeah. on specific things, what are they going to be doing? What are they going to learn? Right. What are they going to take home and do every sure. morning? Or in,
2: a, in a typical class, you'll come and do an hour class, okay. let's say. Mm-hmm. And so you do something to tune in so that you're present. And then there's probably some talk or something to give some topic, right? Mm-hmm. And then you engage in what we call a Kriya. And a Kriya is a sequence of actions mm-hmm. that leads to sort of predictable realms of exploration of yourself. Now that include physical exercise, like yoga, like yoga, 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 yoga. asanas, postures, okay. breathing. It could I be silent, a... using the breath control. That's right. All, think of that. There are tens of thousands of kriyas. Okay, so there's, there's a big bunch of stuff you could do. Much like any physical exercise, but not all in one hour. No, 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 no. <laughs> Some things are extremely simple, and I still do the very first one I ever learned. You know, mm-hmm. it takes like 20 minutes. It's mm-hmm. good. But there'll be movement, stillness, out loud, silence. Focus, non-focus, guided internal visualizations. So the the variety of things you do is one of the kind of interesting things to me in Kundalini Yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, some it's like, here's the 16 things you do in sequence, and you get really good at that, which is a good thing. You can really master that. Mm-hmm. Kundalini Yoga is difficult. It's difficult to master it, just because of the size of all the things that one could do. Mm-hmm. And it kind of uh, focuses you on mastering yourself. Mm-hmm. And so each of these things is to help you in sort of consolidate that sense of self at your heart so you come to class you tune in get a little talk you go through some kind of creative process which usually involves meditation either during the process or at the end and the meditations depending on the class and the purpose might be anywhere from three minutes uh, in advanced classes half an hour mm-hmm. like that uh, 11 minutes to half hour is very typical in these classes and Meditation and the physical movements and all this are completely integrated. They're not thought of as separate in that way. And then you consolidate and you close the class and you have some food and you have a little sangha and enjoy. Now out of all that, you'll have some experience, Mm -hmm. some elevation in yourself that you can find applications as you go into the world because what you're taking is not a big bunch of stuff to do but an alignment of yourself with whatever your plot is as i was saying right that's that's what you're doing it's like a tune-up now one more little kick on that when i said kriya this kind of odd word kriya it's a nice origin word so kri is like action ya is infinity it means being kriya means an action done with excellence in the presence and integration with the all. Mm -hmm. So it has the connotation of fulfillment and spontaneity. It has the connotation of rightness of the moment and kind of a flowering of the potential that was right there without effort. So then now you take the person, this is the big picture. You and I walk in and we got wounds, you know, we do, they're good wounds, you know, they're wounds that make us think, right, precious pearls of pain as we call them, right, yes, we have those, that's why we have a good plot, and what good is a big drama with no villains, and no challenges, I mean, we all get bored and go home, so we all have some fantastic drama or war we're coming from, now, in that, we don't always use our, our best responses. We, we're automatic we're impulsive we have a lot of things so we pattern our body we pattern our soma we pattern our thoughts we pattern our beliefs in order to cope with our own experience of ourselves and the plots and the families and the cultures and everything else we find ourselves in what's the goal of kundalini well as you raise this kundalini as part of the process you start being able to reboot basically <laughs> these patterns so we talk about that in ways like take this energy here, do this particular kriya, this particular process, this little journey of this kriya, is like a gesture of internal energy that essentially accumulates it to, we say, the central channel. The movements you're making are almost like Tai Chi. Sure, because you bring these, these various movements and flows into, quote, the stillness of the central channel. So ultimately, you develop a sort of present stillness, and you start learning how to act from that stillness, because in the stillness, you're inviting a flexible wholeness so that you can do what? Notice what is. Where am I? That's What's happening? Right what ha- and so we have a state. There's an old word for it. I, I, I kind of like this word. It's in the Sikh tradition. They call it, <laughs> It's just fun to say it, you <laughs> know, whatever it means, right? Like so, so you say, yeah. un- It means like a part, an atom, a, a living consciousness unit. Un- right? A part, un- Sung, all of them, like sanget. Unsung, when your thirty trillion cells, unsung, all come together in a resonance, and wow, the ecstatic, inexplicable moment is present. Wow, hey, right here now. Wow, hey, not wow somewhere. It's not wow somewhere else, but wow, hey, Guru. Guru is now in the presence of transformative wisdom. Mm-hmm. So Guru, right? Darkness goes to light. And guru. Guru means a technology, technique, or procedure. So. Awakening the guru through the stillness is to allow yourself to understand your own knowledge, and bring out of that wisdom of how to act from the heart. So that's what it's all about. But what it's not about is really getting a philosophy. It's more about gaining a capacity of sensitivity, a sentience in your body, and a clarity in your mind, and a kind of embrace of wholeness in your heart. Yeah. Those are the three goals, and, and an it just
0: happens.
2: Absolutely yeah. yeah, absolutely and And I think that's one of the things that attracted me. It's a experience mm-hmm. and test and Yo-Yo Bhajan was was a force of nature, and I, he would say, "Look, here's all these Koreas I'm sharing, and some were the Akashic records, some were things you learned. There was a lot of places these came from. but he would always say, "Look, I tried these or I know about them, or whatever he did, and these are pretty good ones, mm-hmm. and he'd say, "There's a whole lot more. How many do you need I mean One good one would really really. do just fine, you know. (laughs) In terms of Kriya, just like good exercise, you don't want to just work your legs. You want to use, you know, your your love and and your anger and all the emotions, and you want
1: to engage transcendence. A lot of them are specific for kidneys, adrenals, Mm. endocrine system, glandular system, the brain. You're working all part, you know, so if you come in with something that's failing you right now, in your physical body, Mm -hmm. mental body, you know, all your different bodies, even your heart. (laughs) You know, you come in with heartbreak. There's a specific Kriya that's designed that we can find for you to help you with your adrenals, to help you with your Mm. kidneys. The whole system is covered in each Kriya. So each Kriya is designed around a different part of your body, actually. Mm. And it is up to the teacher to really read that before the class, to understand that before the class, because there is over 4,000 Kriyas we can choose from. So think about it. If you're going into an hour or a 90-minute class, you have to be ready to deliver something to that class.
0: How in the world do you Keep track of four thousand kriyas, well, books. You,
1: yeah, we have a lot. Of, <laughs> a lot of so like online, costs, a lot
0: like of a doctor books. who might have a pharmacopoeia yeah. he can yeah, refer yeah, yeah. to. You go, sure. and you figure, oh, this person has that. Let sure. me check the and book. It's,
1: and of course, it's very intuitive. So that you know, you're really—it's very intuitive for the teacher to bring in the right kriya. And to really, and sometimes it has to be switched up because the class could be all of a sudden, you know, 80 and over. <laughs> and you're not going to do, you know, awakening the 10 bodies right. in an, eight, you know, you're not going to throw yeah. them into Breath of Fire on, in stretch poses. This is and what what it, do you have, well,
0: if you have so, 30 people in the class and they range in age from 15 to 80? A lot of times Do you, do you, you, do you time somehow you customize happens, yeah. it for each person?
1: Not for each person you and you really don't, you don't yeah. pinpoint or you know, point a finger or call out a name or anything. Mm-hmm. We have such regard for this whole group consciousness that it just hap happen- it just works. Maybe. Something works Maybe. in it.
2: Again, think of the Kriya as a flow, and everybody shares all the meridians and all the flows, right? We
1: all have the same heart. So
2: every kind of Kriya is going to work one of these areas. So some people are very clear in that area. They find that sort of easy. Somebody else, there's more constriction, and it's like, wow, that was the greatest thing I ever did because I suddenly have all this free energy I didn't have. Another person who's really clear just goes... Yeah, that was really nice. Whereas this person's going, amazing, where did that come from? Yeah. So there are general things, just like I'm playing jazz today. I got a little rock here. Got myself a little bit of country dance, you know. And so you come in, and what you get I in Kundalini like Yoga has a lot of variance because of the because of the makeup you come in. Right. right. Yeah. So I'm just thinking yeah. as a clinical. I'm a clinical psychologist, right, so I do destiny counseling and such things. But look, I have all sorts of training, everything from, you know, cognitive and NLP, and I worked at Vinnia Satir and family therapy and all these things. So do you go to it like a pharmac- yeah. Pharmacopia? yeah, you know, and then select from that? No. With expertise, eventually you integrate all these things, mm-hmm. and the focus is always on first perceiving what's real and what's unique in this person. Mm-hmm. If you can do that in terms of applications, right, yeah. then you know. And this is one of the things that, that I've had a chance to do over the years is design the curriculums and applications for like addiction programs and prisons and executives and creativity and all this. Sure. And there, it's about a syntax, you know, a particular grammar sort of of experience that just helps you go through a process that leads to what you want. So it's not it's not a, just a prescriptive bunch of tools. People do like to do that, you know. Mm-hmm. What's the thing for the kidney in this? Because we want an answer but ultimately it becomes about the individual or the uniqueness of the group in the situation, Mm -hmm. applying pretty universal tools that people have their own experience in. Hence, we don't tell people, you should experience the following, and now you'll have samadhi, and now you do this, because that would counter the respect in a way, in this tradition then, for what will surprise us and emerge.
0: Okay, so what I'm gathering so far is
2: Teacher is important, it's
0: not a do it, from, learn from a book kind of a thing, you need, you need a trained teacher, and it's not a, like a, a one size fits all kind of a thing, um, there
2: is a whole toolbox. Highly adaptable, There's a very
0: right. diverse and extensive toolbox of all kinds of things that Yogi Bhajan came out with, and maybe even you developed some or something, there's a whole lot of things you can do. That's right. And if you choose to get yourself involved mm-hmm. with this, there'll be a lot of customization, I presume that, and, you know, so it'll be modified and adapted to suit your particular makeup and need and capacity and so on, and that you wouldn't just do the stuff in a class once a week or something, but there'd be, I, I'm presuming there'd be something you'd take home with you and do on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, sure. There, well, number one, think of it this way. You know, there's a big, beautiful tree out there in the landscape, mm-hmm. and some travelers need a moment of shade, they step under, and then they leave. And others are going, hey, I want to eat some fruit from up there. And I get stuff from the tree, you know, and they take some food with them, too, you Mm -hmm. know. And other people are going, you know, I'd like to actually just have a Mm treehouse. And I stick around. (laughs) So it's a very open system in the sense that you're not trying to be driven to a certain place. This is, let's meet you where you're at. What do you need? I'm happy for you on your journey. You know, a concept you might like is because people ask me all the time, "Well, uh, is it this way or is it that way, and which is the way, you know, this kind of thing?" And how do we do interdisciplinary and interspiritual and all these things? And I like to say, "Look, there's one way. You know, there's one way. And whatever you're going to call that way, it's got lots of twists, like going up a mountain. And so, in some part of it, it looks dark, and other it looks, you know, light. And other there's a water, and the other it's a clearing. But it's all just one path of the fulfillment in relationship with your whole being to your particular situation. And it's that elegance of, of being, it's that brilliance of mind that engages that is what you're after. So sure, there's tons of different maps and all that, but it's not the issue. And so that's why I come back to saying an experiential base is important. And then tradition is important because it gives you other people's experience, it gives you some guidelines, because it's easy to be be fooled and used and all that in a normal human way. So you like to have some guidelines that uh, you can sort of check with or or understand.
1: Boundaries. Mm -hmm. And they do need to be really aware of that individual soul because anyone that comes into class is so unique and so authentic that if, you know, if you have an understanding about how to open their heart and share the wisdom and the grace of this teaching of some kind of, then you can really see exactly what they need and you can almost see it. You can really read it very compassionately and know that each one has a story. Each being that comes into your room, into your class, has a story, has a a very authentic story to whom they are and they know that story well enough to come and walk through that door and say, I'm willing. And that's all we really ask, is that we can open the door. We never close the door on anyone. Yogi Bhaja never turned his back on anybody. He was always willing to listen to the story and that's really important for people to understand that you know we don't have rules that say you can't come in or I always have you know a chair there a cushion there you can stand up you can do it you can stand on your head the whole time you can meditate the whole time I don't just get the energy of the room get the sound current because we use so much amazing sound current and sound current being incredible we have incredible musicians the first thing that drew me to kundalini yoga was the music you know I was taken to Yogi Bhajan Samadhi I didn't ever even meet him and I was the first one there at his Samadhi at his funeral I was the first one there I had no idea what I was even doing there I didn't take the left turn into the right place so I took the right and went straight to Espanola from Bale and landed there and the musicians were setting up and once they set up I was elevated into like my heart just opened up I didn't even know who I was there for I knew I was suddenly something was happening in me so that's what we really get in class classes that shift there's something that happens with the energy that shifts outside of any other type because I've taught you know Hatha for 20 years prior to becoming a Kundalini yoga teacher I never ever experienced that shift. There was a high from maybe sweating too much, or, but then there was this low in 20, 20 minutes. I was like, oh my God, I'm angry again. But with yoga, with this yoga, it stays with you.
0: Yes, one of the points I was going to bring up is that I would hope that there would be a cumulative effect as there should be with any big spiritual there practice is. and that the longer you stick with it the more it'll accumulate. Sure. Right.
2: Yeah and, and like you were saying, with the tree analogy, right, the mm-hmm. tree metaphor. Uh, sure, we, we always give people practices if they like to do things outside of class. <clears throat> so a lot of people just come to a class and go. Yeah. But then if you develop like anyone a personal practice, uh, a time where you're still in the morning get up and take your cold shower that's one of our favorites mm-hmm. and then do some exercise and then do some meditation and really intentionally be present with what is that important thing in your purpose and heart for the day so there's a practice and we usually we do a morning practice but he said well could you do it in the evening okay you know well is the morning special well yeah traditionally it is you know it's quiet as before the day has started mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's prepping up, you know, it's not a bad time to go in there before the noise starts. Good idea. Oh, and there's mystical reasons and energetic reasons. But, again, think of these things as enduring records of practices that have worked for a lot of folks. Did I I hear you say
0: you advocate cold showers?
2: I love cold showers, don't you?
0: I went through a phase for several years. Cold showers, I was was like into it. And uh, I'm going to tell you a funny story. It's a little diversion here, but... I was in Switzerland and living in this hotel. And that's cold. I was in the cold showers anyway, but they were working on the plumbing of Marshi's rooms upstairs or something. We didn't have hot water anyway, <laughs> yeah. if we wanted it. So I'd go in the bathroom in the morning in, in Switzerland, and I'd start filling up. There wasn't a shower. It was a tub. And I'm sitting there on the toilet waiting while the tub fills, <laughs> and the window's broken and snow's blowing in. <laughs> and I'm looking at that water, and it's kind of blue. It's so cold, you know. And then... <laughs> Got to do it, <laughs> get in there, and you'd be cold the rest of the morning. <laughs>
1: really? <laughs> well, well, you know. Actually, the theory behind a cold shower is you're warm well, if your when you come out. Well, if your room's also cold, it
2: takes a while to. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's no, it's a like good example, that, yeah. though. Technique and purpose, right? Yeah, so, right, the idea yeah. is to stimulate your skin and to use cold or whatever to sort of wake up and be fully present to your practice. That's yeah. all. So That's a nice quick way in, it's, in, average, right climates, in, in climates. average climates. In average climates.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so, people, are, since that was a bit of a facetious kind of little story, but this is not necessarily a steer thing, is it? Stere- I would. Austere. Austere. If, austere if no. You have some, you know, grandmother coming in. To, you mentioned eighty-year-olds, you're not gonna get around beds and nails or anything. Huh? No, no, also no. We no. At,
1: I mean, we also work a lot with Ayurvedic healing. So yeah, yeah. you know, if you're a Vata type and that cold, cold is hard on fear. you, cold yeah. is aggravated. sometimes hard on you. But mm-hmm. if you, you know, you can also just stick your big toe in for half a second. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, or in that and case,
2: it, do warm, cold, warm. Yeah, which will work perfectly fine. There's a yeah, way. So warm, warm. one
1: of the five sutras is that there's a way through every block. Just start. You know, just start. You got to start somewhere.
2: You know, one thing is, in the tree analogy, I kind of, like that I, I kind of stayed yeah. and built a house or something. So not everyone's going to do that, right? right? My particular karma and interest was to do all this stuff for my life, forty years. And I think origins are interesting. Someone always says, "How do you get in this stuff anyway?" You know, because you can come in and just have a class and go, right? You don't need to get into something. You you find out what is in relationship to you and what you're doing. For me, it was part of a journey of knowing oneself and growing, and we had lots of connections that led to such long involvement. And I suspect you have some kind of, I haven't heard it, but an origin story of sorts of oh, yeah. why, why you are, find yourself not even, you know, these kind of things, ultimately, if you do the level that perhaps we've done, it's not really choosing, right? It's a feeling of calling, we call it, or, yeah. it or oh, well, I realized I was always here, but I didn't know it, or, mm-hmm. God, I really don't want to do this, but, yep, my gut says I must. You know, there's, there's a different level of yeah. relation. I think a terms story similar to
0: Adyashanti. Do. Did you hear his talk the other night? Remember how he said when he first heard the word enlightenment, he thought, that's it. That's what I need. I was, I was like driving down the post road in Westport, Connecticut with three friends in the car, and some guy in the back seat was reading um, Ram Dass' book about Timothy Leary's translation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And they started talking about enlightenment. I thought, that's it. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Can't kind, do that. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's that direct relationship to the higher source. And you know, many so many people say in these conferences, you know, I'm trying to get there. Mm-hmm. And actually, we're there. There, We're but actually, we do exist there, but we like to drop down into becoming very lazy in a way. And, and you, it makes it, you have to make an effort. Sure. And it is effortless. We talked about this, Gurdacharan, and I, he whispered in my ear, you know, it's effortless. And I was like,
0: are we straining or something No,
1: we we're talking about tra- because they were talking about trying to find consciousness the the intimacy or the relationship with consciousness and mm-hmm. is or no infinity and actually infinity and intimacy hmm. the intimacy of understanding infinity Remember we were talking about that whole yeah. waking awaking place there's no words to describe infinity we're you know how do you describe infinity yeah. how do you how, how, how i can even say it how do you i
2: like to say you become intimate with the infinite that's and, what he's and in yeah. that relationship then you show up Unprepared, which means you're perfectly prepared, because yeah. how would you prepare for this anyway? Yeah. But it's that sense, because life is exactly that way. If you yeah. think you're prepared and you know all that, you've already constrained it in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So you have the knowledge, you know, you know, the map of France or whatever, you know. But then when you get there, that's different thing. Mm-hmm. So it's always this balance, I think, of yeah. the, what I call finite and infinite games, and then having the creative game of the heart. Simply put, that's the game. When I started this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Just a few, like personal history, I guess, I don't know. How do you summarize the history quickly? Uh, as a kid, I wanted to know, basically. And I had these two modes of knowing, okay? which is I'm asking questions and doing this. I had a grandmother who was a Russian mm-hmm. grandmother. She had survived the various things you survive in Russia and getting out of there. You know, this side's killed, that side. But mm-hmm. We had white and red Russians. They both killed each other. So, all right. so she got out and went through Canada and decided would go up there on the farm, and a uh, huge farm, and uh, she put me on her knee one time, she says, she says, look off, my gold, my precious. Never trust a priest. <laughs> they live on the darkness of the heart and they take the blood and turn it into money. That's what she told me. <laughs> so I was a little kid, and she's telling me, because she had a certain experiences, apparently, in uh, her life, you know. i listened to that and say, yeah, whatever, okay, you know. But then we'd sit down, and we would fly with the birds, or we would know when to do this. Or I always had a, an amazing sense of that, not mystical, but that sort of standing at the mystical edge, that sort of mystic stance, you know, where when you open to the vastness that's there, when you allow awe to be there then there's a kind of way you're with things. Just that. She was the furthest thing from a philosopher. Yeah. She was a hardcore organizing farm woman, right? But she would have these moments of stillness. Now I'd call it, I didn't call it then. And then she'd sit down with me and we would do that. Or she. one time she'd say, go with the cow. And I said, go with the cow. And so I'm, you know, I'm a little kid, okay? So I said, ah, okay, sure. I went with the cow, and I went over, and I'd stare at the cow. And mm-hmm. the cow would stare at me. You know, this thing was going on. Cow staring. Mm-hmm. Probably similar. to have a new school. You know, cow. In Iowa all the time. The, okay, well, in Iowa, you know, cow staring school. So I was, I, was in, <laughs> I was initiated into the cow staring school by my grandmother, right? But I noticed that it was so easy to just merge. To, I wasn't thinking merge, ah. but that's what happened. I would simply merge. And the cow... And I, I don't know. No one was pushing, but it would respond. So I could go like this, to the cow, and the cow's head would go around, mm-hmm. and I go this, and the cow would stop like this. Mm-hmm. So later, you know, this is a funny story. I was in uh, Rishikesh, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was, you know, once like, say all advertising, you get computer programming and no gurus. You can pick your avenue there. And I wanted to get some incense to take over this temple. So I was looking, and then suddenly I'm nudged from the back, and it's cow. Big one, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not like little guys there, you know, the horns ones. And so I looked and I kind of went right back to that first way of knowing, Mm -hmm. you know, just fun. It's a fun, I didn't, no big purpose, just hi cow, you know? And I looked and the cow started looking at me and I started looking at the cow. Mm -hmm. I felt quite young for a moment, (laughs) you know? And then I did this little thing and he started doing the head and I go like this and Mm -hmm. the cow is fixed in Mm -hmm. space like this. And we just sort of held that stillness together And then I laughed. I said, "Cow!" And you know, it shook itself and like this. And the guy behind me in the shop is watching this. He says, "Free incense, free incense." So, the cow gave me free incense, you know, that's is how right. I look at it. It was a, ben- a cow benefit, you know, yeah. from my initiation in cow steering, right? But it, they have
0: those snake charmers with the cobras and then they have cow charmers.
2: Uh, that's right. And so, so you're a cow charmer. but it was a kind of uh, openness to just experience, you know, yeah. in these funny nature ways. So, I was always a nature boy in that way, cool. right? But, and then, yeah,
1: but that brings me to thinking about, you know, how I'm working with the children now. And at, how old was that when you were with the cow? Five?
2: Yeah, about yeah. that.
1: Because you know, when the five-year-olds come to my class, I have five through fourteen-year-olds. They're mm-hmm. coming to class, and I put them deliberately together because the five-year-olds are like that: inquisitive, inventive. Remember every, remind me of everything I said about from the class before. They actually start teaching the class at five, and that's the memory that they were. We were trying to figure out in these lectures about where does it start from? Where do those memories come in? that are relived through your adult life, that are remembered you know way back when you were a kid the, on that farm having a relationship with that cow for a half a second relived when he's in his fifties now uh, you know in Rishikesh, India, where is that journey gone? Where is that remembrance come from originally and where is it reminded to us later on in life? And it is really in our spiritual practice that we can remember these things because we're so silent we become so one with ourselves we get to know ourselves again as when we were a child and in that innocence of remembering that brings so much joy to ourselves meridians our nadis our brain like awakens to creative consciousness within and around us and we become one again Mm. we become so happy again And this yogi bhajan said Happiness is your birthright. Mm -hmm. And to come back home each day, can you imagine if you sat still each day and found that stillness, what would actually arise from, not living in the past, but from the now, Mm -hmm. the presence of your being now and what you're going to expand into. And that's the fun of it. Mm -hmm. And that's the joy. And there's so much humor in that.
2: To finish the farm analogy, right? I also... No animals were harm, harmed in this. I'll tell the whoever cares, right? But this is the fun, farm fun, right? Mm-hmm. So I would go out and you put a log and then you put another beam and then you take the chickens and you move them around to put their head in and you hypnotize the, chi- the chickens. Mm-hmm. Then you put them on the end and then you're a little kid, right?
1: Uh-huh.
2: And then you do it and you launch the chicken. So the chicken goes up in the air because it's there and it wakes up in mid-air.
0: And starts flying? Yeah, of yeah.
2: course. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> but, but what I started doing was going, well, how long Chicken's does the swinging. beam has to be? And how high would the chicken go? Yeah. And what would the time of thing? And so then I would start taking notes and I'd start figuring out the system. Mm-hmm. So that was the other side of knowing. There was the merger, the cow staring, and then there was the chicken plotting. Okay, <laughs> now, The chicken plotting later became science mm. because uh, then I got involved in uh, yeah, as a young kid and, and onward into high school once we had the space programs and people wanted to find kids. So I had a six-room, seven-room maybe uh, school out in Oregon woods, <laughs> basically outside of Portland. And then they came around and said, hey, who are you? You know, And so I started physics chemistry math when i got the by the time i got to college i was a triple major in that i skipped two years in physics and math and so on and I was very interested to know what could be known the beauty like frankel and he and i were talking we're like so related i get it because you go to a certain level of beauty of aesthetic pattern that's that just strikes you like a big flower in the world. Every look, you see these amazing, colorful, engaging, poetic flowerings of existence, and you can mathematize it, you know? So I was fully into that. And so my early idols in that time, although I still was Kauster, it was, you know, Eddington and Einstein and this, and you know, all the great mathematicians, the German. So I studied German, read the German texts. And so then I was in Westinghouse, I got scholarships, blah, 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 you know? So I became very heady and very fascinated in my own kind of aesthetic way with all of this. Okay, now, here I am with two ways of knowing. And the more I get into the science, and I went to Harvey Mudd, which is a top two engineering schools, right? So it was like, from here you go to nuclear science or something. Uh, But, you know, I sort of have a beard, and I was vegetarian. There were no Sikhs then. There was no Kali Yoga then, right? but people would when I talked to me through the grid and the door to make sure their security clearance wasn't lowered you know by talking to me so it was that period of time right but I was fully engaged in this the pursuit of what some kind of knowledge and castoring as well and so I always had the two sides so I had many artist friends and artist colonies and I always had these two sides going on two ways of knowing you might say but I got to a certain point and this brings us to our. budget I got to a certain point where, uh, without describing the details, it was one of those mystical moments we tend to get in our life. And I was alone two in the morning and so on and so forth. And uh, finding a little bit of green in L.A., who was at the time. And it just hit me in that way that is not arguable. That said, Oh, I forgot one thing in my equation. People must be in the equation, or my whole system doesn't work. And it's sort of like, you know, you see those funny diagrams where the, the woman's, uh, they, they have the diagrams that, oh, I forgot to have my child, you know, because <laughs> I got too oh, old. Oh, she right? left her child on the bus. Yeah, or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that, yeah. Well, it's sort of like, well, I always love people. I've told totally been about people, and, and I was always cow staring, and people staring, too. And then, suddenly I realized, I can't know a certain aspect and I could see that in the people I was with because I was with some of the most brilliant people you can imagine. And they had drug problems. They had this. They had their lives still were messes. They, had, they still had brilliance. But there was a missing kind of core. And I looked at that. And so then I started... Helping a guy named Mansour with the uh, drug counseling and this sort of thing. He was this like, beautiful psychiatrist guy there. Started exploring, and I had been exploring even in high school, actually, mystical things and parapsychology and such. But, but I really realized that people was the fundamental thing that had to be in the equation. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, there's got to be a way that I've, I've got to rebalance this heart. Now I had no teachers, or, well, that I would identify anyway, you know, maybe my grandmother a few beetles I saw watching on the ground. Anyway, a few things. A lot of reading. And then I just started meditating more and doing whatever I could find at that time. I studied a lot of stuff. And it's kind stuff i kept coming up. And I kept thinking, I really like there's something here. I can tell there's something here I need to do. So then, the beginning of the story we were telling was uh, you start having these dreams. And so for like three months, I would have this recurring dream. And every time it would come up, and it would say, this date. So I'd literally see it like a date, like a ticker tape date sort of thing. Not a very nice dream. And I would get more and more in argument with that dream. I did not want to have this dream. I was ticked off because it looked to me like what I'd seen around me in the 60s. People were drugged out, spaced out, dreamed out, trying to transcend, and full of illusion and craziness. It was fantastically creative, but sort of from a scientific point of view, whoa, where are you going to go with that, you know? Really? Is that going to get you that? you could really depend on some other new thing? So uh, to me, this was like, as a kid, I mean, you'd see auras and lights. And so I was aware of those realms. But I was also aware of how attached people get to those sensations as if they're solutions to something, which I don't agree. So here I found myself having this sensation that I didn't want to agree to, you see. So it was called a, an upset, stage one, right, upset. So. That day came, two months later, and I said, that's it. I was working on a Sloan Foundation grant for engineers to give them experience of who they built stuff for. I said, "I locked myself in the room, which I did. I'm not doing nothing, because you know, that thing was, telling me to stay. So three times people knocked on the door and asked stuff about meditation, because I was doing it. The third guy who came handed me a little, yeah, so it was for sure, you know. I looked, and there was a little teeny ad about this big that says, Kundalini Yoga. I went, oh, yeah, sure. Nobody's teaching Kundalini And in those days, nobody did. No one called it that. And so I looked. I said, really? And I said, Yogi Bhajan. And this is when he first arrived. He was in uh, L.A. So I called up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I said, oh, this is the day for this. It's just that there it was. And I hadn't actually associated it. I said, oh, OK. So I called up. I said, yeah, hi. Uh, is this, uh, is, you know, someone answered and goes, and I, and I saw you know visions of bean sprouts and long flowing grasses, and I said, I don't know, it's through Southern California for me, you know, uh, engineer, I don't know, and I said, okay, okay, look, uh, what's the initiation? He said, oh, there's none. I said, no, okay. So after you do it for a while, what's the initiation? You know how you do hand a flower first, and you, no, it's totally open, really. Anybody come, yeah. Really? And it's Kundalini? Sure, it's Kundalini. We had a discussion. I said, oh, that's incredible. Okay, so where is he? Well, today he's not here. He's in Claremont College. That's where I was. Mm, are you there? <laughs> yeah, Harvey cool. College, yeah. And uh, and then I said, oh, uh, what? Well, he's giving a lecture in a half hour. Oh, where? Well, out my window. Mm. Oh, okay. Thanks. So I went to the class. How could I not? So then I went and. It was a fantastic class. Uh, of you could understand him. He was fresh off the boat as we were, and so he and he was like a drill sergeant because he had military training. Mm-hmm. And so his classes were like, yeah, "Drop the left leg and you're left, no other leg." You know, you try and understand the accent and all this. And he was like, "I had never had a class like that." I mean, usually it's like you know, I'm supposed to have these Hittleman postures or something. No way. This was like tsunami time, guys. And then he got to the end, and it was like go into stillness, be this, and then boom, there I was, and I, it, the auras got so bright in that room, you had to have shades, you know, it was like that, I mean, you know, normally you see a little bit of this and that, but I mean, this was ridiculous, and so I went, this is the real deal, uh, this great, so exactly, I went up to him at the end of class, right, first class, and, and I always remember this conversation, because I went up and I said, you know, it's student and, I was in grad school by then and had done scholarships. I went, Sir, I have a question. And he just looked at me, and it happens like this quick. There's no, he's looking at me right there, and he goes, You're stupid. (laughs) I said, Wow, what a great way to start rapport, right? You're stupid. (laughs) Oh, well, but you know, the mind's going, Yeah, but I'm a mathematician, I'm doing this, I'm in physics, I'm doing scholarships, you know. But in a half a second or something, yeah, he's on a different conversation than I am, right? Mm. This is another conversation. And he just looked at me and he said, tap me on the side of the head." He says, you're a teacher. You're a teacher? You're a teacher. And that's the answer, you know? And I, and I was like, okay. okay. And, then, and then he Are smiled. You a stupid teacher? Is that what he and said? No, yeah. he said, you're stupid because I'm asking the wrong kind oh, of conversation, thinking, right? Yeah. yeah, you're a teacher, <laughs> right? Yeah, no. and, then, and then he looked at me and he says, I don't have time for your nonsense. It's smoggy, and it was really smoggy in those right. days. I came all this way to see you. Yeah. I'm like, who the hell am I? You know? And he says, Are you with me or not? But he didn't uh, beat around the bush, did he? You know, and I had no idea what he's talking about. Right. You know, show me the contract. What's what is this? A short-term yeah. loan or what is it? What do you mean? Am I with you? You know? I mean, really? And then I got that look in his eyes that it's sort of an amused, clever, entertained zeroing look. That's how I explain it, you know. And so and kind of I realized it was the same thing as that stupid look he gave me, you know, because mm. he just said, Are you with me or not? And I remember very explicitly, I stopped he, or he stopped me, I guess. And my breath went zero. And I looked at him in the way that you kind of remove your concepts a bit, you know, like, pshht. and I just had this whole body every cell recognition. And I went, you're my teacher. And I said, yes. And it was exactly the kind of yes you say when I met my wife, 43 years now together. I met her one day. She moved in a day and a half later, and we've been 43 years. And it was, this is it. And it is. And, of course, you're working on it every day, you know. Yeah. But it's it. It's, there's no question. There's not an assessment of plus and minus. Right. Mm-hmm. And exactly with him, he took me in the very first meeting beyond plus and minus. Nice. And so then he laughed, he started laughing, he had a great laugh, took me down to the cafeteria and said, come on, I'm going to read you the rules. Mm-hmm. And he sat down and he started, and we had a long conversation and it was very, very funny. And then when he left, he had a Shakti who was the very, first, his very first student was driving him. And, uh, you know, he waved goodbye, so he's driving out and suddenly the car stops and you see a big finger and he loved to do this kind of thing. You know, so... Run down, sir, you know, and he brings out a thing. He says, Do you remember that class? <laughs> I said, Every moment, of it, sir. He says, You teach that tomorrow. Wow. Start teaching. And uh, then he started to leave and he stopped again, you know, so I'm going yeah. here tonight. <laughs> you know, and he's probably having fun, you know, yeah. just go further, let's see if he'll run, you know. He, he's playful, right? But I didn't know, I'm just being very serious. So I run up to the again, like, Oh my God, what happened, you know, and he says, if you don't see me again until you die, this is enough. Wow. And then he left. did was dramatic. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. So then I went back to that sort of dream thing. I went, okay, I get it. And so that began a long relationship. That was 1969. Mm-hmm. And uh, the very beginning of it, I was already running. So I started running an ashram. they started ashrams, communities, all the long story after oh. that. But that was the origins coming from what? I want to know, I like to understand, mm. I don't want to put humans into the equation. Mm. Well, to do that, I took a little 40 year journey here yeah. to to clear out the insides, like we've been talking about, get rid of the blocks, be a counselor of destiny and opening these things for people, because I believe that that's important cool. to have a life like that. Very nice. And so now I'm doing consciousness and science and mm-hmm. the mathematics of consciousness and working with my team at Chapman University, Jeff Tollickson. I care hard enough and, others, and uh, now that's what I want to dedicate myself to uh, doing as good a clinical practice as I can but now taking the teaching because I've established the school that's going, that's global now the question is can we now do some of this modeling that takes those two types of knowledge and finds uh, some kind of bridge that's not as Frankel said in his lecture he says well you finally know the temptation is that your math and all that elegance could somehow capture all this transcendence which of course it can't So I'm interested in what I would call the emergent boundary between the oneness that is what we are and the parts through which we express. And the manner of that arising does have structure. And that is where this one type of knowledge meets the other. But you can't even ask the question of how to approach that boundary unless your heart is open. Unless you're present, unless you're already, you're not seeking anything, you know, you already have that. Mm-hmm. Because then your intuition can give you forms that give you one of many, many ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an origin story that yeah. kind of, well, I well, don't know, I might be what you like. You might be interesting. <laughs>
0: I kind of need to keep this to about an hour because there's something I have to get to. And so what I'd like to ask at this point is that if people are interested in finding out more about this, what do they do? Is there a website? Are there centers all over the place or here or there? Um, how do they connect with you guys uh, in
2: order to learn more? So As far as Kundalini Yoga, there's a lot of websites that list Kundalini Yoga teachers. Gurney has a website, which have is... a
1: website, which is www.lightonkundalini.
2: And then there's, there's a general website, 3HO, uh, Healthy, Happy, Holy Organization. Yeah. There's Kudalini Research Institute, has a website. So,
0: actually, so what I'll do is I will process I always we'll put, process a, stuff, I always yeah. put a, a page on that Gap for Each Interview on oh, BatGap.com. So I'll put thank a page, and you'll, you can email me Great. whatever you want yeah. me to put on that page That'd in terms be of websites, books, or anything. No,
2: else. and if, if somebody wants to get, get me for any of the reasons coaching, lectures, yeah, teaching, sweet, whatever yeah. yogamaster at AOL.com. Okay, well, we'll put your email on the, on the site. But I like it because who uses AOL, you know, and it's, it's like not even Yoga Master 1001 because I love living on the bleeding edge of technology. <laughs> right. So back in the old you days, AOL it. was the beginning, right? right? So it's still there, Yoga okay, Master. So I'll link to all that stuff.
1: it's fantastic
0: okay thank you very much thank you for your time yeah so So, uh, this concludes another interview i think i'm going to do at least one more while i'm still here with unmani not that people are necessarily looking at all these in order but if you're familiar with this show i don't need to tell you all the details but if you're not this is an ongoing series and if you go to batgap.com b-a-t-g-a-p and just explore the menus you'll find out what it's all about there at this time there are well over there are over 250 interviews to uh, listen to or look into and we have them categorized in various ways so there'll be a category for kundalini yoga now yes, and yes, um, thank you. then uh, you know if you'd like to be notified of future interviews or notified whenever an interview is posted there's a place to do that there's a donation button there's a place to sign up for the audio podcast if you don't want to just watch the video fantastic so go to backgat.com. check it all out Thank you for listening or watching. Thank
2: both of you. And as
1: we would say in Kundalini Yoga world, Satnam, and many blessings to you all out there. I, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so your
2: much. time and your audience. I want to give one plug. There's a most recent book i did the 21 stages of meditation mm-hmm. which is a really lovely book frankly and i mean beautiful. the printing and a beautiful thing and we're doing those kind of courses around the world I'm on my way to europe so that's mm-hmm. if you really want a good hit get that one the 21 stages that'll give you a whole lot about the system it's on
0: amazon or something
2: you can get it off amazon
0: 21 stages of meditation from the backup yeah. page i'll link to it okay great thanks Satnam thanks. Sat everybody
1: Sat <laughs>